Good morning. Still morning, I think. It's about one in the morning for me. Um, I got back from Thailand yesterday after three weeks in that wonderful country, so any incoherence today I blame on jet lag, unless it's me. (laughs) And uh, it's good to be with you. It's always a privilege uh, to preach at third, and I hope I get a chance to weave in a couple of stories from what I got to see uh, about what God is doing in Southeast Asia, an amazing part of the world. Today we are in sermon number four, a series of five on the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the Holy Spirit as helper, as sanctifier, as guide, today as comforter, and then next week as Pentecost, and we'll look at God's empowering um, presence in mission and witness. So this week, the Holy Spirit as comforter, and we're going to read from John chapter 14, and let's pray first, shall we? Gracious God in heaven and here, by divine appointment with your Spirit, we're gathered here in your name. Please come and lead us and teach us. Be our teacher and our guide, O Spirit of truth. Open up our hearts for all that you would say to us, individually and corporately. And may you, O Lord, be blessed and glorified by our worship and our praise and our devotion. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So John 14, beginning at verse 16. This is part of that upper room discourse that uh, John gives us, the words of Jesus with his disciples before he prays for them and then goes on his journey to the cross. Listen to God's word. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. This is the word of the Lord. So in October of 2016, the king of Thailand died. The king, greatly respected and revered in that country and living into his 90s, finally died after a long, long reign. And the people went into mourning. And officially, Thailand is still in mourning. They're in mourning for a year, and in October of this year, the king's remains will be cremated, and there will be another big service and ceremony. So depending on where you are in the country, especially if you're in Bangkok, it's really advisable to wear black because everybody is still mourning. And as you get further away from Bangkok, you can maybe wear gray and other clothes. And of course, tourists are oblivious to this. But because we were going to be with Thai friends, we wanted to be very respectful. 
So we were really busy before we left buying black clothes for our time in Bangkok. And one of Pam's students from years ago, uh, whom we keep up with, was going to host us in Bangkok, and she was going to take us to the palace so that we could respect the king. Now, to respect the king, you dress properly, and you get in line. And even though this has been going on every day since last October, it still took three hours to wait in line to respect the king. Um, And they're pretty serious about it. I had a shoulder bag, and he said, don't take that bag off your shoulder. And I had my shirt out because I thought it looked better, and he told me to tuck it in. And so I did all those things. And finally, you get into the palace where the king's remains are, and there are about 30 of you, and they say the word, and you bow. I tried, you know, on my new artificial knees. I'm not bowing very well. Um, And then you're up, and then you're out. It's very quick. Pam and I didn't see any foreigners in line to respect the king, so we felt really special that we got included in that. So one thing about Thailand I observed They are very respectful of their royal family and the monarchy. And you're advised not to speak about the king. Pro or con, because you might slip into saying con, and you'd be in big trouble. So I admired that, that they're respectful of their country and their country's royal family. Then the second thing I observed, because we walked around with these former students who are Buddhists into many temples, and how respectful these Buddhists were, before the Buddha. They would bow before the Buddha in every temple. Thailand's 90% Buddhist, 8 or 9% Muslim, 1% Christian. The Christians are, have a bit of a, a presence in the north. The Muslims have a bit of a presence in the south near Malaysia. But again, overall, 90% Buddhist. So, respectful of the monarchy, respectful of Buddha, And then the third thing I observed is that most houses, most restaurants, most city squares, most hotels have a spirit house outside them, a little house in which you can make an offering or the uh, the spirit house protects you against evil spirits. Now, I was trying to make sense of all this, and we actually had time with a monk who said, We don't worship the Buddha, we respect him, the spirit houses are not part of Buddhism, but almost everybody has them. So underneath Buddhism and the monarchy respect is this some kind of structure, I don't know if you'd call it animism or superstition or let's hedge our bets and make sure we've got a spirit house to cover us against evil spirits. We don't have that in our culture, do we? We don't really see neighborhoods and communities and our homes as a locus of spiritual activity. We're, we're probably guilty of what uh, Paul Hebert, an anthropologist who studies missions, says the flaw of the excluded middle. And don't go asleep. Stay with me. He says, in the West, we who have been trained by science and rationalism and modernity, primary and secondary causes... We have our spiritual stuff up there in heaven, and maybe there's down in hell, but in this middle ground, we don't think too much about spiritual realities. We go about our regular day's life doing things as we plan them, the flaw of the excluded middle. He said, in Africa, in Asia, people see that the world of the spirits belongs right there with the world of your neighbors. 
There are spiritual realities. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of dangerous because you might believe in any old spirit. Yes. But it's also kind of interesting because spiritual matters are real. They're palpable. They're up close. They take them into account. So I was trying to learn on my trip, learn from my Thai friends, and uh, I was reminded that much of the world sees spiritual reality up close, not bracketed apart. We believe in the Holy Spirit. How much do you think about the Holy Spirit? How much do you attend to the Holy Spirit? How much do you call upon the Holy Spirit? How much do you trust the Holy Spirit? I remember years ago, somebody told me, well, you know, Presbyterians, they're God the Father people, and Baptists are Jesus people, and the Pentecostals are Holy Spirit people, and we keep it all separate. (laughs) But it all belongs together, doesn't it? It all belongs together, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So today, we're thinking about the Holy Spirit as comforter, as God's comforting presence. And we're looking at John's gospel, and I'm going to reread a couple of those verses. And Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to be with you forever. Now, we need to spend a minute or two on that word advocate, because English Bibles aren't quite sure how to translate the word. The word in the New Testament is paraclete. And some Bibles have advocate, and some Bibles have counselor. I'll give you another counselor. And some Bibles have, I'll give you another helper. Remember the first sermon in our series, Rick preached about the Holy Spirit as helper. That's the same word translated from paraclete. Helper, advocate, counselor, comforter. One of the reasons comforter is lasted in our society is because it's from the King James. The King James Bible in 1611 said, wrote, translated this word, I will give you another comforter. Now, comforter means with strength, one who strengthens, one who consoles. And yet if I asked you, apart from this sermon, what is a comforter, you might say, oh, I think it's a quilt. The Holy Spirit as comforter, the one who strengthens, consoles, and supports. And the word, the New Testament word is paraclete. It's a compound word, para meaning alongside, and clete or kletos means called. So literally, when Jesus says, I'm going to send you another paraclete, he says, I'm going to send you another one who's called alongside you. I'm going away. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be gone. But I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send the paraclete, the one who's called alongside you. Years ago, I was a young minister in this church in the 1980s. And I was in a men's group with some guys. And one of my friends, Jonathan Schaus, was a cyclist. And he, he talked me into becoming a cyclist. And so he helped me buy a bike. And I got a Darth Vader helmet. <laughs> Looked terrible. <laughs> and we started cycling together. And he talked me into... Uh, trips on Saturday from Richmond to Ashland, and the reward for getting to Ashland is that then you had a healthy breakfast at Hardee's, and then you turn around and cycle back. And I remember one of those first trips. We were almost to Richmond. We were just hitting the West End near Henrico Doctor's Hospital, and my legs started feeling rubbery. 
You know, when you're not really in shape and you've run or you've cycled and you're just not sure you're going to make it. And we came to this hill, and Jonathan was behind me, and he must have seen me wobbling. And he came up alongside me and put his hand in the small of my back and just whisked me up the hill. He had enough power to cycle himself and me up the hill. That's the paraclete. The Holy Spirit as paraclete comes alongside you and gives you help, gives you counsel, gives you comfort, gives you advocacy. Whatever you need, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who comes and helps us at our point of need. And part of that help is comfort. Comfort. So, the Holy Spirit as comforter is with us, in us, and for us. And there's more than that. But in the moments we have together, the Holy Spirit as comforter is God's presence with us, in us, and for us. There's a clue about the Holy Spirit being with us. First, Jesus says, he'll be with you and in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, what's an orphan? An orphan is someone who doesn't have parents, right? Or doesn't have one parent. Somehow has lost his or her family. Maybe not because they gave the child up for adoption. Maybe the parents are Syrian and they were killed in a bomb. There are lots of orphans in Syria because of the conflict there. Or maybe... Mom is an addict, and dad is in jail, and the kids have been orphaned. Some of you know that my uh, oldest, who works in East Asia, came home this summer for a furlough with a little East Asian baby that they adopted, a little one who was left on a doorstep at two days old, taken in by the hospital, given to an orphanage, given to another orphanage, where someone knew my daughter and called and said, would you? And she said, we will. Orphans. Jesus says, you're not orphans. Even though I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit will be with you. You'll never be alone. Now, some of you live alone. Some of you work alone. But God says, you're not alone. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit testifies to your spirit that you're never alone, that God never abandons you, God never retreats from you. He's always present by the power of the Holy Spirit. So somehow we need to believe that, and we need to experience that. How do we experience that comforting presence of the Holy Spirit? I spent the last couple of days in Thailand with a Pakistani couple who is house-sitting for my missionary friend who has gone to the south to work among Muslims, and he's invited this refugee couple to be in his house. And we were eating together. They fixed me Pakistani food morning, noon, and night. I'm still recovering. <laughs> and my friend said, it's such a pleasure to serve you food. We, we don't like to eat alone. We're used to eating with our brothers and our sisters and our mom and a big family gathering. You never eat alone in our society. And I thought, well, it's different here. I eat at my desk at lunch, alone, all the time, and I'm working. But there's something about Middle Eastern culture and Muslim culture that says a meal is a time to be with people, to break bread together. God, the Holy Spirit, says you're never alone. I'm always with you. Have some of you read Henry Nouwen? 
Do you know Henry Nouwen, the, the priest who taught at Harvard and then left and went to France and worked for many years among the disabled at a, a community? And Nouwen, I, I read him as a young minister, and he taught me about the ministry of presence. He said, I have learned more serving this community of disabled people by being present to them and they being present to me. And I found that my words and my books and my academic stuff doesn't matter here. But my presence is very important. And their presence is very important. As Christians, we are often the arms and legs of God for other people. But that's part of how God is present, is through his people. The Holy Spirit is God's comforting presence with us and in us. Did you hear the words of the anthem today? They are, they're really a commentary on Romans uh, 8, 26, and 27. And Romans 8, 26, and 27 was our call to worship. I'll read it to you again. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And that word help there is a really big word. It means helping us over against a problem. It's almost like a picture of you're driving. This happened to me once at a, at a, I was at a retreat in western Virginia and it snowed and a pine tree fell over the road. And there's no way I could move the pine tree. It's too heavy. But then another car came and another car came and the three of us, you know, one on one end of the log and one on the other end of the log and one in the middle, together we were able to move the log. And this word help, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, is that kind of picture. The load is too heavy. So the Holy Spirit comes and takes the other end of the log and helps us in our weakness. And how are we weak? We don't know what to pray for. So the Spirit intercedes for us through groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit in us helps us to pray. Have you ever had trouble knowing what what to pray? You were, you were overcome with grief or anxiety or you just didn't know how to say what was in your heart. Or maybe you didn't know what to say to somebody who was going through a really, really tough time. You just you didn't have any words. And so the Holy Spirit says, I will help you. I'll take your prayers. I'll carry them to the Father. I'll take the Father's comfort. I'll bring it to you. That's what the Holy Spirit offers to do. Now, how do we experience that? Well, you have to pray, don't you? The Holy Spirit helps you in your prayers, so you just have to pray and ask the Spirit to come alongside you and help you with words that you don't have. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you really needed a translator because you didn't have the words. I was in a taxi on Wednesday night, from the domestic airport in Thailand to my friend's house near the international airport. No traffic, one hour ride. I got there after two hours and 45 minutes because the taxi driver didn't know where he was going. Oh, that's no problem. I have the address. I'll just explain it to him. Well, I can't speak Thai, and he can't speak English. I can't even get him to admit that he doesn't know where he's going. So I called my friend 
three times on the phone to say, would you tell the taxi driver how to get to your house? Translator. Sometimes you need someone who can carry your words or express what you can't express, and the Holy Spirit offers to do that. One of the things that I'm trying to learn is when the Holy Spirit is in me or in you, how does the Spirit manifest himself or express himself? And in my faith, I don't know that I'm speaking for you, but for me, my faith is too much in my head. I read the scripture, I think about it, I meditate, I pray. It's in my head, it's in my heart, it's not so much in my body. And sometimes I envy my Pentecostal friends who seem to have their bodies more engaged with the Holy Spirit. Now, we could dismiss it and just say they're holy rollers, they're emotional, or we could say maybe they know something. Maybe with their expressivism, the Holy Spirit is is getting through in another way. Our Muslim friends have just started Ramadan yesterday, 30 days of fasting. That's a bodily spiritual exercise. I don't know how much you and I fast, but maybe we can learn from them. Some of us are praying for them. 30 days of prayer for the Muslim world, I invite you to be part of that. But we also can learn from them who are in their worship. I'm not commending their theology. I'm trying to learn from their practice and their posture. Or our Roman Catholic friends who kneel when they pray. Now, I have two brand new knees, and the doctor said, don't kneel. So I don't think that's an out for me. But again, somehow using your body in respect, in worship, in spirituality, may put you in touch with the Spirit in a way that you haven't experienced. If so, sign me up. I want to experience more of what the Spirit has to show me and teach me and comfort me. One more story. We met a woman in northern Thailand named Avis who runs an orphanage for HIV children. 150 children in her orphanage. She started 25 years ago when there were no drugs for HIV. And she said what happened was that we accepted these kids and they died. She said, I've buried 200 kids in my 25 years. But then they invented antiviral medicine. And now the kids have the medicine and the kids are living. At first, I was ministering to the dying, and now I'm ministering to the living, and I'm helping them get an education and even go to college and bringing the resources of God's people to help these children. And then she told us how she got started. She said, I came to Thailand in the late 70s to work in refugee camps on the Cambodian border. And then I started working in a hospital. And one day in the hospital, they brought a child in. The child was emaciated and looked like she was dying. They told me she had HIV. And the Lord spoke to me and said, what are you going to do for that child? And I said, Lord, I've already got a job. I'm already working in a hospital, and I work with adults. I don't work with children. And she said, the Lord said a second time, what are you going to do for this child? And she said, I don't know what to do for this child. I'll pray for this child, but that's it. And then the Lord said a third time, Avis, what are you going to do for this child? And she said, I got up to go and to leave, and I couldn't move. She said, my leg was frozen. I I was just paralyzed. 
Finally, I said, okay, Lord, I will do what I can for that child. And she was released. And long story made short, she adopted that child, and she started the Agape House. And the child got the medicine and lived, and lives now in her 30s. Her name is Nikki. And Agape House is also called Nikki's Kids. The Holy Spirit spoke to her through her body. Now, she's a Pentecostal from Canada, so... Maybe he can speak to us. He's in us. Maybe he can speak to us that way as well. Finally, we know that the Holy Spirit is not only with us and in us, but he's for us. He brings us strength. In God's economy, there are three main ways God helps us, gives us resources. There's the Bible. God gives us his word, his word to encourage us, to challenge us, to teach us, to assure us. Just draw a little triangle, okay, in your head. God's Word, and then God also helps us with God's people, the body of Christ. We minister one to another. We don't have time to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit are gifts God's Spirit gives to the church so that we can edify, help one another. God's Word, God's people, and finally, the third resource in the economy of God is God Himself, God the Holy Spirit. Those are the three things available to you, God's Word, God's people, God himself, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like a choreographer, you know, a choreographer who plans and dances and makes every sure everybody's in his or her right place, so you're doing the right thing at the right time and it all looks beautiful. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to do with us, get us all to help at the right time and the right place. I love it when there's a, a holy coincidence. Do those happen in your life? And you're, you've been trained to say, well, that's not coincidence. It's a providence, right, when there's a holy coincidence? Where's John? When am I supposed to finish this time? Two more minutes. Oh, two more minutes. <laughs> so we spent some time in Bangkok with some of Pam's former students, VCU students who are Thai, who are now in Thailand, who got together. And one's a Christian. Everybody else is a Buddhist, but one's a Christian. And I had some time with him. And then two days later, I was with this New Testament scholar at the Bangkok Institute of Theology. And somehow I discovered in texting with Max that Max and Vilaya had grown up together, become Christians together, and were close friends. Here's somebody from Pam's VCU world Here's somebody, a friend of my missionary, and they're close. Friends. Well, that's just a coincidence. No, no, God's got something to do with that, you know, and I need to pay attention. What is that connection? Maybe I have a way to, to encourage Max as the Thai church learns to reach out and witness to their Buddhist neighbors. The Holy Spirit is alive and active and involved, and we can be part of it, and part of that is comfort. Because sometimes we need help. We need comfort. And then part of it is mission and witness. So I'll close with this story. So this Pakistani couple hosted me in my missionary friend's house. They're refugees from Pakistan. They had to flee in 2013 when she was reading her Bible at the hospital and the doctor saw her and came and said, no more reading the Bible and thrust a Quran in her hands. And she didn't take it, and the Quran fell to the ground. Now, you're supposed to respect the Quran in Islam. 
And so when it fell to the ground, he shouted, Blasphemy! Blasphemer! And he hit her and knocked her to the ground. And then others came and they beat her unconscious. At 11 o'clock at night in the hospital. And her Muslim nurse friend came and picked her up and got her in a chair and got her in a car and got her to their home. And she and her husband were, they didn't know what to do. They called a friend who got them to an NGO that helps persecuted Christians in Pakistan. He put them in a safe house And finally, he got them on a plane to Thailand. They didn't know anybody in Thailand. They don't speak Thai. They don't speak English. They only speak Urdu. Imagine you're arriving in another country, your past life is over, and you have no idea what to do, whom to speak to. All you know is that the UN High Commissioner on Refugees has an office, and maybe they'll help you. And they were at the airport, and he heard someone call his name. He said, who could that be? And a guy named Shariz had been contacted by a Pakistani Christian in Pakistan, knew he was in Bangkok, said, please go meet my friends. And my friend said, oh, I was so desperate, so afraid, and the Holy Spirit sent somebody who called my name and got us to the refugee office and then helped us find a church. Now, life has not been solved for them. They are... Refugees on temporary status, they can't hold a job, and Thailand has already turned them down once for official asylum. But so far, they're safe, and they have a church, and they have a place to live, and God is orchestrating all these things to bring them comfort and to bring them help. Friends, God can do it for you, and he can use you and me to do it for others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all the ways that you work in ways we see and in ways we don't see. Thank you for spiritual reality that's all around us. Help us to believe you, Holy Spirit. Help us to trust you. Help us to embrace you. Help us to participate in your kingdom. Have your way with us, Holy Spirit, to the praise of Jesus and the glory of the Father. Amen.